Here at Just Baseball, we have teamed up with BetMGM for the 2023 MLB season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use code JUSTBASEBALL, and you will get up to a $1,000 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Step number one, download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code JUSTBASEBALL. Step number two, deposit at least $10 and place your first wager on any game. Step number three, you will receive up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your bet loses. Just make sure you use bonus code JUSTBASEBALL when you sign up. Disclaimer, 21 plus to wager. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. U.S. promotional offers not available in Washington, D.C., Mississippi, Nevada, New York, and Ontario. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in Colorado, Washington, D.C., Illinois, Indiana, Louisiana, Maryland, Mississippi, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, and Wyoming. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY to 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. Call 1-800-522-4700 in Kansas and Nevada. Call 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. Call 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. Call 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code JUSTBASEBALL and get your $1,000 first bet offer today. Tuesday, July 18th on the Just Baseball Show. That's Jack McMullen and I'm Peter Apple. And we are doing X-Factors for the second half of the season for all National League contenders. And on Thursday, we are going to hit the American League. And we're going to do uh, short stuff off the top about Jack's trip to Colorado. And I've been watching a TV show with Tim Robinson that I kind of want to talk to you about. Because I did watch one episode. But... The Just Baseball Show is brought to you by the king of sportsbooks, and that is BetMGM. Sign up and deposit into your newly created account using promo code JustBaseball. Download the BetMGM Sports app on iOS or Android or visit BetMGM.com. Place your first bet offer and receive up to $1,000 back in bonus bets. If it loses, if the bet does lose, your bonus bets will be available once the wager is settled. Gambling problem? Call or text 1-800-GAMBLER and must be 21 or older. Before we talk about your quick trip to Colorado, I did watch If You Think I Should Leave. No, that's not it. That's not it. I think I think you should, I leave. should leave. I think I, you should leave. Yes. Tim Robinson, we were talking about it in the car. It was all we talked about basically. We were traveling in and out from Seattle. And you guys said you have to watch it. You have to watch it. And I did watch an episode. I looked online the best Tim Robinson episodes. Season two, episode three. The are you sure about that? Are you sure about that? Corn cob TV. You watch that one? Yeah, when he get when in the he creates the machine to get the hot dog kind of sucked out of his mouth, and he won't yep. really say why he got fired, but that's obviously why he got fired. Yeah, it was funny, but that's the number one episode. It's it's so, that level of comedy to me that makes me squirm that I can recognize 
is funny in the right light. And I did think that scene where they go to the professor and the professor's like, give me that bird. Give me that. And and he does eat it. Like that's that was a fine scene because Tim Robinson wasn't making me squirm. But like sometimes it's like, all right, I get it. It's it it it's almost like if you watch The Office and you take all of the most cringy scenes, because they do have that sometimes in the office. Yeah. And you put them all in a 16-minute episode and you just get thrown at you. It's good. I I don't know. Convince me. So here's what you just did. I think what, what you did is you went to go see the Dallas Mavericks play the Knicks because you wanted to go see Luka Doncic. And you saw Luka score 19 points on 15 shots and he had seven assists and he had five boards and you were like, yeah, it was good. But like it related to baseball this is the just baseball show. Okay, sure. So you buy tickets to Yankees Rays because you want to see Shane McClanahan throw. You go to a McClanahan start and he goes six innings of three run ball or six innings of four run ball. And you're like, yeah, like solid, but I don't I don't know. Like he's not the best in the game. What you need to do is you need to watch the entire season of McClanahan and and then you'll get the idea like, wow, this guy's different. Like this guy is the best in the game. So I think going on any arbitrary ranking of I think you should leave episodes was lazy on your part. Uh, Very true. I just watched season six of Black Mirror and I looked up like episodes ranked and I just disagreed with like every ranking of those episodes that I saw. So like you picked a, a fine one, but you didn't pick the best one. The thing about that is like each episode's about 15 minutes. The skits are four to five minutes. Like just sit down and commit an hour to it and watch four episodes. And I think you will fall in love. Skit two in episode one, the Turbo Team one, the Mitch Bryant, call me right now, please, was maybe the hardest I laughed on first watch ever, ever at anything. So I think you need to commit to starting season one, episode one, and just see, like, if you hate it, stop. I don't think you're going to hate it. How about this? People in YouTube comments, people in my Twitter DMs, if I get enough of you who say, Peter, sit down, shut the fuck up, and watch, I think you should leave. You have to. Then I'll be convinced. Because I think you're kind of biased because you just said Tim Robinson is the best in the game. Come on. Will Farrell is alive. No, I mean, Farrell, but Farrell's the big screen. Tim Robinson's the little screen. Steve Carell is on the, well, he's on the big screen and the little screen. Yeah, no, I, I think Tim Robinson right now is the best in the game in terms of like actively making comedy. Okay, I need I need to hear some support. I need people in the DMs. I need people in the YouTube comments to say, yep. Peter, you absolutely have to do it. Because there's a possibility I get DMs being like, Jack is full of it. There's no I, way it's well, this I'm good. I'm full of it all the time. Like, I blow smoke up everyone's ass at every point in my entire life. Blow smoke about your nice little Colorado trip, and then we'll get into X-Factors. It was great. So I'm an indoor dog. By the way, last thing on on Tim Robinson, uh, Ben Bellotti, our YouTube mastermind, is a huge I Think You Should Leave fan. So we've been mm -hmm. bonding about that. So I know that he's going to And I do love you. Ben. I do yes. love Ben. I, okay. I love Ben, too. Um, but I know that while he like exports this video, he's going to hear you talking about that. Did you hit your desk, Bob? Yeah, I just crammed my elbow. Just, yeah. Continue. Dude, right elbow too. You might need TJ. 
No, that's uh, on the funny bone, which is oh. screwed up right now. But Ben, I know Ben is going to text you while the video is exporting and be like, dude, you have to sit down and watch it. So that's that's the first one. But you need some some strangers telling you that um, I am very much so an indoor dog. Like I am a city dweller. Uh, I will take a, a bird scooter anywhere. And I had I wanted to fall off the face of the earth for a little bit, like back into the all star break. So when we all left Seattle, I flew to Denver and my girlfriend met me out in Denver. So we did Denver, which isn't falling Likes. off the grid. Then we did Breckenridge and we did a couple hikes. We did a hike on Thursday morning, Friday morning. And Friday was a hike branded as moderate. She looked up, you know, like best hikes in Breckenridge. Kind of lazy, I guess. Right. Yeah, like, but dude, <laughs> fucker took me up 1400 feet. I was dying and it was like cold. It was what six and a half miles in total. It was like a four hour hike. And I was like, it's hard for me to run like two miles continuously in like normal, normal sea level and like humidity. That was a different beast. And it was like a good time. I enjoyed it because I enjoyed just like the fresh air. But are you like an outdoors person? Because I don't think I can do that consistently in life. I wouldn't call myself an outdoors person. Like if I have a choice of a trip and it's to go see a really cool city or go to Europe or go camping. I mean, it's not even close. Like I'm going to the city. But what I will say is I love a good hike. Okay. Because remember when we talked about like the runner's high is a bunch of bullshit just to get yeah. fat people out of the house and like <laughs> yes. dangle something in front of them, like get drug addicts out of the house and be like, you could get a high if you run. That is a lie. That's a lie <laughs> that that was been told by the government, I think. Like gotcha. we talk about government conspiracies. That's number one. Gotcha. But I do like a good hike because when you're on a run, the end is like when you pass out or you yeah. get this high, which is not true. So that takes that out of the equation. But with a hike, there is a peak, right? You get to the top and you see, you know, all the trees down below or wherever you're hiking. Like it's a great view. And it's almost like I accomplished something. You get that sense running. You're just running. I mean, people run on hikes, I guess. And you can hurts, have a run dude. like up a hill. Yeah. So I, I could see that. But a hike when it's not too hot, when it's like in the 65 degree range and you get up and there's like some cloud cover and it's really nice view. I love that. So I would have loved the hike. But if you said that your girlfriend took you on one of the great runs, so she, like, she doesn't love run, you that much. She's ran marathons before. Like she does half yeah. marathons and marathons. And I'm just like, she, she's always like, are you ready to, you know, like run a half with me next year? And I'm like, oh, sure. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Of course. Absolutely. Anything just, for you. I might have plans that day. Right. Anything for yeah. you, comma, I love you, comma, but. Um, <laughs> so th that's my thing. Um, but yeah, dude, like I, I enjoyed it because the views were just insane and Breckenridge is awesome. And if you have the chance to get out to Colorado, I would do it. Also one more plug, excellent meal, Asian spot, Chalon, C-H-O-L-O-N in a Lodo in Denver, which is downtown. Yeah. We got to get you to New York. We got to get you to New York to try some good Chinese food, no, Denver, God. Chinese food, spare me. No, it's not Chinese. It was Asian, man. It was okay. like it was okay. a nice spot. We had a great sushi. We had, you also said your favorite food on planet Earth is sushi. That would be your last meal, yes. which I can respect. Wouldn't be mine, but I can respect it. Fair. Okay. Should we talk X-Factors now? Should we do baseball? 
let's talk X factors. So what we did is we took all the teams over 500, right? So the teams that we're going to go over are the Braves, the Marlins, the Phillies, the Brewers, the Reds, the Dodgers, the Giants, and the D-backs. So Cubs fans are probably like, what about us? Mets fans. I know we've sucked, but what about us? Padres fans are honestly Padres fans probably like, yeah, we're not a contender at this yeah. point. Mets fans probably too. Cubs fans, weirdly, they're they're in it. They're in it. I don't think we should talk about them. The Padres got off to that great win against the Phillies, eight to three. And I was like, you know what? Remember that take I had, um, I think right before we started the second half where I said, I kind of want to buy into the Padres a little bit. Maybe I didn't say it on this show. Maybe I did, but I've just been kind of saying that around where I'm like the run differential. They've been too damn good. And I was like, wow, was I right? Eight to three win. Of course they tried to blow it. And they had to bring in Josh Hader. Juan Soto dropped that fly ball in left field. So they tried to blow it, but they ultimately won. Yeah. Three straight losses to the Phillies. Phillies proved like you are not in our league right now. Could that change? Of course. Right now, not even close. The Mets lost two of three to the Dodgers. Commanding wins in both game one and game two. Combined score of 11 to one. Then the Dodgers bats just didn't show up, but the Mets won two to one in extra innings. I'm not calling that a great win other than Max Scherzer looking excellent. But I don't think Mets fans were happy with that performance by their team. So it's hard when you're six games under 500 to say, yes, you're a contender. The Cubs, what do you guys want me to say? You're like eight games under 500 in the worst division in baseball. You could argue the AL Central, but arguably the the Centrals are not good divisions. I don't think they're going to be big buyers. They've been floated. Marcus Stroman potentially could be available. Everybody's hearing that Belly's going to leave. Do I think he's going to leave? I don't know. It would make sense. But I, we just can't put them in this type of discussion. So I, I think we want to talk about teams that couldn't buy. And the yes. Cubs are not buyers. The Padres are actually in a selling conversation, I think, right yeah, now. They are. Like, they won't be. They won't sell. If anything, they just stay put. We see what um, Prowler said. Preller said that we're not going to add a big superstar at the deadline. AJ Preller, the GM of the Padres. Yeah, good. But for, for once. AJ Preller saying that? Yeah. That's no, substantial. And, and like, we're cutting the Cardinals out of a bad division because John Mosellock said, like, pieces will go. Um, yes. The Mets, I don't think the Mets do anything. Like, the Mets aren't going to buy. Come on, we're talking about teams that can buy. The Cubs are not going to buy. The Cubs are either going to stay exactly where they are or they're going to sell expiring pieces like a Bellinger with a mutual option or Stroman with a player option. They'll move those guys. I don't think they do. I think the Cubs do next to nothing at the deadline. I agree. I I agree. I think the Padres and the Mets do next to nothing at the deadline. So we're talking about teams that have DS and CS aspirations that are looking to add to help them get there and hopefully make it a World Series team. I think you're right. And um, I think the only way the Mets would buy is because they have Steve Cohen and the, it's stupid. the like, overall we can't, salary we can't is so big. They buy because they have the owner. Exactly. Like, you need to buy to get better. No, but that's just what I'm saying. Like, right. on the trade deadline, I bet we see the Mets at. Not because they're adding pieces to win a World Series, but they're just a com- they just have so much money wrapped into this thing and they can't sell. That's and, where I'm coming from. And the thing is, like, if they do add, like, if they do make like the Vogelbach for Holderman swap, like they did last year, um, if they go and add bench that work horribly, Horrible. Holderman is like <laughs> Holderman's a legit setup guy. I said that it was roasted by Mets fans. 
I didn't actually, but to be fair, I did not think Holderman would be this good. Right. But that was one of the takes where we got off the just base. I make a lot of takes all the time. And that was the take that was taken. Mets fans in my mentions like, what the fuck are you talking about? We yeah, we're getting Vogelback. a guy Who that the hell is calling Olderman? Who cares? And, I, and then Vogelback played well. So I was like, all right, maybe I was wrong. But I'm like, why? That trade didn't make any sense. And look yeah. at where we're at now. Kind of yeah. similar to the PCA for Javier Baez deal. Javier Baez, we got tagged. Um, his name is like Detroit Tiger slash New York Giants enthusiast. Dude is a stud. He's Love so this guy He's on so Twitter. Funny. He posted earlier that Javier Baez and Zach Greinke. So Javier Baez is WRC plus this season. And it may have changed. I think it was a day ago or two days ago. 59 WRC plus. Zach Greinke's WRC plus in his career as a, as a hitter. 59. Well, Greinke's a good hitter. Let's get that out. Yeah, that's true. But it's Javi all about Baez it's relative. A bad hitter this year. It's relative. It's all relative. Yeah, it obviously it's not as star-studded as the Javi Baez for PCA one, but yeah, like that was that was a weird deal. And I think if the Mets do make any of those deals, like we're just going to hop on this show and be like, "Okay, what for?" You know, instead of, "Oh, this gets them better, they can sneak into a wild card spot." We're going to say, "Okay, why are you doing that?" So, that's why I think we can put the Mets, the Padres, and the Cubs to bed. I agree. So let's start with a team that there's no shot we can put to bed because they are the best team in all of baseball. Yeah. And that is the Atlanta Braves. How do you want to do this? Because we said we're only going to bring one, but for a couple of teams, I have three couple of teams. I have an easy one. It was hard for me to decide. Yeah. I think I want to go first. I'll, I'll tee you up and then you go first. You want me to go first? How you want to do it? Yeah, I can go first, um, and I think I have two for two teams, but this one was honestly very easy for me. It's Max Freed. Hmm, Freed is okay. the X factor for me. Freed is on the 60-day. He just had an awesome rehab start with high A Rome. He was three shutout innings, two hits, three punches, 30, K, or, or, uh, 30 pitches in three innings, 23 of the 30 for strikes. He was great. Apparently, later this week, he's going to be escalated to 60 pitches in a rehab. This guy's getting really close. I have no problems with the Atlanta Braves offense. I think that that thing is as close to perfect as you will find in baseball. Strider striking out the world. Bryce Elder still sporting a sub three. He's run into some hiccups recently, but Bryce Elder's been Bryce Elder. Charlie Morton is as reliable as they come. I need a four. And if you can add one of the best left-handers in all of baseball to that fold, if Freed looks healthy, this team is near indestructible. But if Freed looks human, if Freed looks unfreed-like, I think other teams in the National League would start to get a sense of hope. Where if they add Freed to the fold and the best team in baseball becomes even better because they add their ace, pack up and think about 24, man. Yeah, I know where you're, I know where you're coming from. We're on a similar plane, I guess. I, in my opinion, I was thinking I'm just so good with Max Freed in the sense of I just think he's going to be fantastic. Right? He was rocking an ERA below two five before he went on the IL. Then he just got hurt, and I have no reason to expect him to not continue pitching at that level. So while I agree with you, that's kind of the space that I'm on. I thought a bigger X factor is Kyle Wright. 
who has also been on the IL for a minute, and his timeline is looking pretty good. I think he's supposed to return probably, so he's dealing with a strained shoulder. Yep. I don't know exactly when he's going to come back, but when he does, I mean, this is a 20-game winner, which isn't that important. But what is important was his ERA below 3-5 last year. Like, this was one of the Braves' better starters. So in my mind, I assumed Freed would be back. Then you have Strider, Morton, and Elder. And if Kyle Wright can be a 3-8, I mean, that's amazing, right? Because they've been running out Mike Soroka, who has looked better, but I don't think he's fully there yet. Dylan Dodd, Jared Schuster. They haven't found that fifth guy, right? They seem like they win three or four out of every five games. But then if you're putting out a guy like Kyle Wright, who was one of the best pitchers in the National League last year, you put him in the five spot, they may never lose again. Right. And for my honorable mention, you talk about the offense, and I was thinking Michael Harris, but he's heated up a lot more recently. If Austin Riley returns to what he did last year, I mean, this is the greatest offense of all time. Right. I'm with you on that. I just think this offense is perfect. Like, it, uh, the yeah. fact that Austin Riley's underwhelming with what? Like a 720 OPS, 730 OPS? Yeah, like he's is he's slashing this year 261, 326, 437 with 16 home runs. I mean, he is Marcelo Zuna has more home runs, so does Sean Murphy, so does Ozzy Albi, so does Ronald Acuna Jr., so does Matt Olson, and Eddie Rosario has one less home run than him. That's the like thing, Austin man. Riley should not be like a decent hitter in this lineup. No, like Matt Olson has 30, Austin Riley should have 27. Exactly. Um, I think, yeah, if Riley returns to form, they're indestructible. I guess you were thinking about Riley in the same way that I was thinking about Max Fried. I really like the Kyle Wright pick, though. Uh, Kyle Wright throwing flat grounds right now, not on a mound just yet. So he would be more delayed than Freed. Freed, By September. Yeah, Freed could be back as early as next week or the week after. You think so? I was thinking like, um, I was thinking probably in August. He'll He'll throw 60 pitches. This week, I assume he'll throw on Thursday or Friday. He will throw 60 pitches. If he does that, give him a rehab in Gwinnett, and he might be ready to go like next weekend. Fair enough. Yeah. But so, regardless, Max Freed's timeline is shorter. I guess I just had so much trust in Freed because fair. why wouldn't I? So fair. I was like, is he an X Factor? Just he's going to be awesome anyway. But right. if Kyle Wright is great too, yeah, it's over. Then bada bing, when are they going to lose? Like an, they might lose on the Strider starts. The White Sox won eight to one on a Strider start. Yeah, no, they could lose on the Strider one. They, I, if Elder, <laughs> if Elder comes down from this weird fever dream that he's been on, like they might lose yeah. the Elder starts. But I have no it was idea. all it was always Elder and Charlie Morton, never sure. Spencer Strider, apparently. No, and never free baseball, right? Yes. All right. So next team we have the Miami Marlins. Yeah. There's a very obvious one here. Yeah. Go ahead. Is that your answer? It's Sandy. Yeah. But I have another one. This is me too. Yeah. I wrote down Sandy, but I have another because Sandy, if he goes anything close to what Sandy was, they already have Lazardo. Like Garrett's been great too. And Yuri's going to come back in early August. Yes, exactly. So that's the obvious one, but I assume you have a different one. I have a different one. Sandy, comma, but Brian de la Cruz. Hmm. 
Brian De La Cruz has shown flashes of not stardom, but shown flashes of being an everyday player for the Miami Marlins. And when this guy is right, he's a very fun watch. And I think De La Cruz has a bit more juice than he has showcased consistently this year. I think De La Cruz is a very talented hitter that has tapped into it sporadically. But if Brian De La Cruz can get hot and be a middle-of-the-order guy when you have the best table setter in baseball and a guy that's hitting 380 as of Monday, July 17th, if Jazz comes back healthy, great. Uh, you know, there are a bunch of other things that could happen. Like if A.J. Puck stops blowing these games, great. Uh, I think Puck has been awesome, though. De La Cruz has been one of the inconsistent yet exciting pieces of the Marlins lineup so far this year. And I think if that guy turns into a consistently exciting piece, they can be really good down the stretch. I like that one because I was looking at, should I choose a hitter with the Miami Marlins or should I choose a bullpen guy? Because when I was looking at X factors, I was looking at, well, what are your weaknesses, right? The Marlins are 17th in OPS and they're 17th in bullpen ERA. The starting pitching has been fine, even though Sandy has fallen far below expectations. So that's what I kind of looked around for these teams. What is your weakness and who's a guy that if he performs way better, could help propel that team. And I really like Brian De La Cruz, but I was like, is he truly, I think you're right on with the X factor. If I had to choose, maybe go Jesus Sanchez too, who's been better. Like if those guys can be really consistent, like they're key because you know that Arise is going to get his, you know, that Solaire is going to hit his home runs. Right. But if those middle of the order guys can lengthen the lineup even more, this is a really good offense. And it has been in spurts, but it's too inconsistent. That's why I like that one. But the guy I'm looking at, and a guy who got off to a crazy hot start, looked like another Kimang fleece. And it probably will end up being so because JJ Blade on the A's hasn't exactly been incredible. He hasn't been bad. Yeah. But he hasn't been incredible. And this relief pitcher was incredible there for a little bit. Yep but he's kind of fallen off a cliff a little bit, especially in July. And his name is AJ Puck, the left-handed closer for the Miami Marlins. So in May, he was a disaster, right? Two and two thirds, four earned runs, seven hits. But in April, 11 innings of scoreless baseball was one of the key relievers in baseball. Then he comes back in June and is right back to it. Then in July, four innings, five earned runs, seven hits. It's been it's been a guy who late in games you have to be rela- able to rely upon these guys because if the offense doesn't show up and you get a great performance out of Braxton Garrett, you get a b- great performance out of Lizardo, or on the off chance, which is a funny sentence, you get a great start out of Sandy. You need Puck to be able to come in because they have some decent arms back there. Hasn't been a bad bullpen. Like I said, yeah. 17th in bullpen ERA. It's been a mediocre bullpen. But if you have Puck looking like the April version, where you have an elite closer back there, takes a little bit off the other guys, right? Brazabon, Floro, guys like that, where it's it's not as much on them. If Puck can come in and lock down games in the end, that's why the Marlins have been so good in these one-run games, but they haven't been as good lately, Right. I think going into that series against the Orioles, they were 21 and six in one run games. They lost two one run games to the Orioles. So now it's, I think it's 21 and eight. But P- 
Huck needs to be that all-star caliber closer that he has the talent to do and showed in the early parts of the season to make sure that the Marlins can win these games on the margins. Because truthfully, that's who the Marlins are. They win games on the margins. They don't blow out teams. Yeah. So to have that lockdown closer, I think, is so important. For sure. A.J. Puck has allowed four home runs in 29 innings, and two of them have come in the last three outings. The home run can kill closers, and Puck has run into long ball issues very, very recently. Um, I, I watched a save opportunity that he blew against Pittsburgh before that, and it was you know a couple of hard-hit balls into the gaps. And I don't know, like... He's going to get his strikeouts. The problem is don't leave anything middle-middle for big league hitters to do damage against, particularly right-handed hitters. He's such a big lefty. He comes from such a unique slot. He's going to annihilate lefties. But the Marlins need this guy to be so much more than a lefty-on-lefty killer. He, They need him to be one of the best closers in the National League. And at the beginning of the year, he totally looked like that. And I think that he can recapture that. It's huge, dude. Left side, weird slot at 97 and 98. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's hard disgusting. to not be one of the best closers in the game with that stuff. So, yeah, like I've got confidence in Puck regaining that form, but I'm with you. If he doesn't, that can be a serious cause for concern because the Marlins have found themselves in a shit ton of one-run games. And guess what? This year... They've won a shit ton of one-run games. And just to recap the standings a little bit, so the Braves are 61-31 and 31 with a 98.8% chance of winning the division. The Marlins are 53-42. and 42. And then we get to the next team of the contenders, which is the Phillies at 51-42, and 42, 10 and a half games back. Who is your X factor for the Phillies? It's Trey Turner. This was super easy for me. So easy. Everybody else is performing exactly how they should. Kyle Schwarber, the only guy that I'm thinking could elevate, but he's still got an 120, 130 point jump from batting average to OBP, and he's still hitting the ball out of the ballpark. That's all you ask Schwarber to do. Castellanos has bounced back in a really effective way. Bryce Harper playing with a slowly but surely here at healing UCL has yeah. an 820 OPS. He's amazing. He's, he's playing amazing. with one arm and he's amazing. He's amazing. So every hitter, Alec Bohm has a 760 OPS. JT Real Muto has a 760 OPS. Everybody's doing what I hoped they would do. Zach Wheeler at a four. I would like that number lower. Aaron Nola at a four three. I would like that number lower. That doesn't matter. Like, they're still going to be consistent. And I know that they are going to grab the Cajones and go when they need to. Nola and Wheeler. Yeah. I'm not Trey worried. Turner is the only concretely underwhelming player on the Phillies roster this year. And Especially if Trey Turner, the bullpen has been so damn good. For sure. And hey, the back of the rotation, like Taiwan Walker stunk at the beginning of the year. He's been really good since. Ranger yep. Suarez, really good since. If Trey Turner looks like the 50th percentile of what Trey Turner can be, because right now he's playing at like the 25th to 30th percentile. If he elevates his game just a little bit, I think the Phillies are a really dangerous team, much like they were last year. Couldn't agree with you more because I did kind of the same thing. So what is the problem with the Phillies? You could say starting pitching ERA, but they got off to a really rough start. So, you know, they've been much better since like May. Like you queue it up and you just take out April. They've been much better. Even a guy like, you know, <laughs> it's funny enough, Christopher Sanchez, I think has been pretty decent for them. 
Um, and the bullpen, same kind of thing. Like the stats don't reflect. They were without Jose Alvarado for a while, who is again back on the aisle with elbow inflammation. Sir Anthony Dominguez has a strained oblique. So the bullpen doesn't look as strong, but there's nobody in the book. There's nobody. Is that coming from my computer? Did you hear that? No, I don't hear anything. Some weird sound just came out of my computer, but let's get back to it. Um, like, I have no real worries about Craig Kimball right now. I have no real worries about Gregory Soto, and Matt Strom has been good. Like, I, there isn't one guy in the bullpen where I'm like, you need to be better for this team to rock it. Yeah. It's Trey Turner. It's not close. Trey. There it is. You don't hear that noise? I just heard it very faintly. Yeah. That, that's Fangraphs playing me ads for something. Um, Trey Turner is a 687 OPS. Trey Turner has a 301 on base percentage. Trey Turner has a 386 slugging. I mean, those are well below his career averages. And his one saving grace by the numbers is outs above average on defense. I don't believe it. I'm just going to say it. I don't believe it. I test. Now, the eye test can lead you astray, right? Could totally lead you astray. The numbers say that Trey Turner overall is in the 82nd percentile of outs above average, meaning he has been a good defender this year. I cannot believe it. I've watched enough Phillies games. I haven't watched every day, so tell me if I'm wrong. But when I watch Trey Turner play defense, I'm like, you are a below-average defender at shortstop, which is not... Remember when we called Dansby Swanson like a couple of years ago, the average barometer for shortstop play? There's yeah. a lot of very, very good shortstops. But 82nd percentile on outs above average tells you that he is one of the best. No way. I cannot believe it. I just simply cannot believe it. So I'm under the assumption that Trey Turner at least has been an average defender, which I don't truly believe, but for the stats and for the argument, I'll say he's been average. He has been, by the numbers and by the eye test, a much worse hitter than he ever has in his entire career. Trey Turner also hits second in the lineup, right? This isn't your seventh hitter. This is the guy right in the middle. No, this he is just the $300 million his, man. This is the $300 million man. And Trey Turner is striking out 24% of the time. In 2015, his rookie season, where he barely played, he struck out 27%. He's a career 18% strikeout guy, right? He's normally in the 17. He should not be striking out at this rate. It has to be Trey Turner. He has to turn it around in the second half. And if he does, and if he does look like the Trey Turner that was on the Dodgers, this is a legit World Series contending team because there aren't really many holes in the lineup. I really like the rotation, and I like the bullpen, when, especially when they get healthy. Yeah. Next team? Next team. Next team. Let's talk about the Milwaukee Brewers, the first place Milwaukee Brewers after they kind of big-brothered the Cincinnati Reds. No disrespect to Cincinnati Reds fans, but they kind of yep. they kind of did that. That's exactly what they did, Reds fans. And, you know, I saw the timeline where the Reds played horribly, and I agree. And the Brewers didn't even play that great. But the Brewers did kind of steamroll the Reds there, and now they sit in first place, about a game and a half up. I think the biggest X factor for this Brewers team is Brandon Woodruff. Brandon Woodruff has barely pitched this season. When he did, he looked awesome. But then he went on the IL. And Brandon Woodruff, if we look at his timeline right now, is kind of in the middle of a Max Fried and Kyle Wright. So this is from um, Fan Nation. 
So the Brewers general manager, Matt Arnold, said in an interview on MLB Network on Friday that Woodruff's shoulder should be ready to rejoin the rotation within the next month or so. Right now, what the Brewers are working with is Corbin Burns, who looked amazing, even though he had a near heat stroke against the Reds. Freddie Pralto, who has been a little bit inconsistent, great at times, bad at times. You know, you got guys like Adrian Hauser, who again has been pretty solid. Colin Ray, Wade Miley. If you put a guy like Brandon Woodruff, who I think is one of the aces of the National League, and you just slot him in there, you have a very good chance to win three out of five games for the rest of the season. I, I was trying to find a guy on offense, but there's no one who I'm like, all right, if you really get going, this offense is going to be crazy. There wasn't really anyone like that. So, And in the bullpen, kind of the same thing. But I looked at this Brewers rotation and said, while it's a strength, adding a guy like Brandon Woodruff, like there's nobody you can add at the deadline that is to the level of Brandon Woodruff's. I'm sorry. Give me Woodruff over Stroman. Give me Woodruff over Bieber. I think I think I just think so highly of Woodruff. I think he at his best is in the conversation with the top 10 pitchers in baseball. So I think Woodruff is the X factor for the Brewers. I like it. Um, he's working his way back from a subscap strain. Uh, your subscapularis is like kind of in your armpit. It, it has to do with your shoulder. It's like part of the rotator cuff type area. Um, it worries me. Shoulders scare me. Bieber shoulder. Bieber was 94 to 9 in eh, 93 to 94. He's now 90 to 91. Woodruff, 89 to 91. Yeah. So Woodruff, <laughs> I just wonder what Brandon Woodruff looks like when he comes back. And that is exactly why he's a great X factor. Because if Brandon Woodruff is 92 to 93, that's not the Woodruff you want. The Woodruff you no, want is not. 97 to 98. Yep. So I, I guess the question will be, are they forcing him back for a playoff run when that subscap strain is not entirely healed? Um, if the answer is no, he's ready to go and he, he's sitting 96-97, I'm with you. He's going to be great. If not, that's that's some serious concern, and that might be something that you want to revisit in the offseason. So I, I like that pick. I went a different route because I actually think that the rotation is held up without Woodruff in a pretty effective way. Like Burns hasn't been Cy Young Burns, but Burns has been reliable. Freddie Peralta has not been the Freddie that I think we promised everyone, which was the second coming of our Lord and Savior, but he's been reliable. He's been going every fifth day. And like a mid fours, well, it's not good. It's not, you know, a hole in your rotation. Wade Miley's been good. Adrian Hauser has held his own. Julio Tehran out of fucking nowhere has been good. I went with Willie Adamas yeah, because he on. is the struggling bats. Christian Yelich has been flat out awesome this year. Christian Yelich yes. has 850 OPS. Oh, so good I to love see. it. Um, Winker has been really bad. Yeah. If Winker gets good, sure, whatever. But if your star shortstop, who's a prime extension candidate, gets really good, like the way we know Willie Adamas can get, I think that solves a lot of problems. Because with Adamas being a slightly underwhelming version of himself, and you are dealing with a bad second base spot with Luis Urias hitting a buck 40 after he came off the IL and getting optioned, and Bryce Terang OPSing under 600. Like, I don't know. Right now, it feels like the middle infield is the issue. But if your star shortstop plays like a star shortstop down the stretch... I think that alleviates the problem at second base, too. More than fair. If I was to choose an offensive player, it would be Willie Adamas. Where do you think the Brewers' starting 
rotation ERA ranks among 30 teams in Major League Baseball? 10 to 15. 28th. No way. Cue up the fan graphs. That's what I'm saying here. That's why I was shocked. I was shocked too. Go to fan graphs and go to their 2023 team rankings. Oh, no. Did I I make a huge mistake? Let me see if I made a huge mistake. I think I made I think I may have made a huge mistake. Don't come for me, people. Let me look where it is. Let me look where it is. Loading, loading. Tenth and starter ERA. I'm an idiot. I'm an idiot. Hand up. I was gonna Hand say, up. like, I was gonna go through the individuals and in the in the Milwaukee Brewers like starting rotation right now. Burns has a three seven. Peralta has a four four. Colin Ray has a four seven. Like that's the run to the litter. Wade Miley in thirteen starts is a three oh six. Adrian Hauser is a three eight. Julio Tehran is a three six. So they don't have anybody sub three. Like they don't have any of the best. Sometimes we make mistakes. League. I'm a human yes. being. I'm a human being. Sometimes Colin Ray has to start games, but like they don't have anybody that is, oh my gosh, option them to the moon. That guy doesn't exist. No, they don't. And so looking at the Brewers, it was so funny when I was doing my numbers this morning, I was like, wow, the Brewers offense has been pretty good, but their starting rotation has been this bad. I was looking at the Reds the entire time. I mean, what an idiot, just an absolute. So they're 25th in OPS. 10th in ERA in the starting pitching department and 13th in bullpen ERA. So the answer to this question is Willie Adames. Yeah. But we talked about Brandon Woodruff for a little bit. All right. Let's actually go to the Reds, which, you know, now, of course, hopefully I didn't I didn't mess up all of my numbers. Who is your X factor for the Cincinnati Reds who are not a game and a half back? They now sit two games back of the Milwaukee Brewers who sit at 52 and 42 and the Reds are 50 and 44. Yeah. Well, you brought up the point. The Reds are 28th in baseball in starter ERA. Yeah, They're going to get Lodolo and green back at similar points. It sounds like green will be back early August Lodolo mid to late August. I have confidence in Lodolo and Green pitching well. I have confidence in Andrew Abbott continuing to throw really well. And this offense has been having an out-of-body experience. Graham Ashcraft is the easiest answer ever. Couldn't agree more. Ashcraft looks like a Louisville bat right now. Uh, Last three starts have been really, really good. Okay, but this year has looked like a Louisville bat. If Graham Ashcraft looks more like a Cincinnati Red and less like a Louisville bat, less like Levi or uh, what was it, Weaver? Is it Levi Weaver? No. No, Luke Weaver and Levi Stout. Yeah, Luke (laughs) Weaver, Levi Stout. I was mixing two guys that I saw start games with the Louisville bats that were up there. Like Brandon Williamson has a five. I think Williamson is a five guy. Like this version of him right now is exactly what I think you're going to get from Williamson until he makes a change, and that might have to happen at the minor league level. I have no idea. Ashcraft is the one that I look at and say, you are so much better than a six. Get better than a six. Ashcraft, I think, is a high to mid threes guy. And if Ashcraft can start throwing like that, if he continues this stretch of three starts, like you're saying, uh, I think that you feel so much better about this rotation, especially when Lodolo and Green make their way back. Yeah, I don't have much to add because Graham Ashcraft was my answer. And the one reason I wanted to talk about Ashcraft was 18 innings, three earned runs in his last three starts against the Padres, the Nationals, and then the Brewers. Graham Ashcraft gave the Reds a great chance 
to beat the Milwaukee Brewers. And Corbin Burns was just a touch better, right? And they lost that game one to zero. I mean, you get a Graham Ashcraft start at home, especially when the Reds have been a top 10 offense against righties since Ellie De La Cruz was called up. And if you told me the Brewers were only going to score one run that game, you're taking Reds' money line to the moon, but they ended up scoring zero. So their offense has been really slow out of the gate very, very early. I expect it to be better, especially now that you have Votto back and Friedel and Fraley and De La Cruz and Steer and any, we could keep going. But Graham Ashcraft has to be the answer because he's not a big strikeout guy. But at the same time, like he, he kind of makes me nervous because we say he should be so much better than a six. He had a four eight nine ERA last year, right? But I thought he was. Better like, I think than that. we're. I think he is better than that. But it's like he hasn't really been performing like that except for his last three starts, which is such a good sign for Cincinnati Reds fans to say if we have him on top of Green Lodolo, Abbott, and then Andrew Abbott. And then who knows? Could Rhett Louder throw innings for them this year? Probably yeah. not. But if Connor we're looking long term, yeah. and those are the five, you feel really good about that as a Cincinnati Reds fan. For sure. Next team up, uh, the Juggernauts. Well, they haven't really been Juggernauts this year. We're just used to them being Juggernauts. But the Los Angeles Dodgers are still that team. And when we look at the National League West standings, the Dodgers are still in first place, but it's not by much, right? They're a game and a half above the Giants. They're two games above the Diamondbacks, but they are 53 and 39, and they have a 94.1% chance of making the playoffs. Jack, who is your X factor for the Dodgers? This is the most cop-out answer ever. Go ahead. Andrew Friedman. <laughs> it's out of bounds, but it's it's cop-out. That's why. This roster needs additions. Where they come is to be determined. Kershaw's on the IL right now. He'll come off. He'll he'll throw. I have full confidence in that. Sounds like our guy Walker Bueller might be coming off the IL, right? Like he's still shooting for that September one date. I think they're they're gonna get starting pitching enforcements from what they have right now. But Dustin May being out for the year sucks. Julio Arias being a shell of his Cy Young caliber self last year sucks. Tony Gonsolin being a shell of that sub two guy we saw going into the break last year sucks. I just I don't know if you're going to add any star power in the starting pitching department. Are they are they going to add a shortstop? Are they going to add more bullpen help? You've got two really good relievers right now in Phillips and Gratterall, but then Yancy Almonte has a five. I thought Almonte was going to be so much better than a five. I think the way Andrew Friedman goes about improving this team is going to either fortify themselves as a World Series contender or they're going to be the Dodgers that sneak into the playoffs and then they get bounced in the NLDS. It's going to be a really telling deadline for them, and I think that the biggest week for them is deadline week, and I think that the X factor is the guy that makes the decisions on who to add to this roster. No, I don't think that's a cop-out answer at all. I actually think that was a great answer because you thought outside the box, and I wasn't even thinking about the general manager, but you're right, and it was a good pitch. So when I looked at the Dodgers, I said, well, what are their biggest weaknesses? And their biggest weakness is their bullpen. They ranked 22nd in bullpen ERA among 30 MLB teams. But the thing is, like, which bullpen arm am I going to choose? Because... Evan Phillips, Bruce Argrado, like you said, and Caleb Ferguson 
have been fantastic. All rocking ERAs below two seven. But like, I guess we could say Yancy Almonte. Like Yancy Almonte is not the X factor for the Dodgers. No, like is Alex Vesia the X X factor for the Dodgers? Like not really. So I said, well, their offense is just really damn good. Like, could they use a short step? Absolutely. But at the end of the day, they're fourth in OPS as an offense. So I I boiled it down to the starting pitching. And I was like, yes, is Julio Arias an X factor? Absolutely. And if you came, I thought that's who you were going to pitch as your cop-out answer, because he absolutely could be the answer. I think Tony Gonsolin has been fine. And I think that's what Dodger fans should expect from him. He's got a 3-7-2 ERA this year. But a guy who I was really intrigued by, and I watched that whole Dodgers-Mets game where they ended up losing, I think Bobby Miller is huge for the Dodgers, right? Routinely touching triple digits, looked fantastic. Again, in part, the Mets' offense looked putrid, but at the same time, he did look good. Right, and he has explosive front line starter type stuff. Now it's going to take a little while for him to be able to hone it in and go from a thrower to a pitcher. And I think that's the next evolution of Bobby Miller, which then propels him into one of the best pitchers in the National League because that's the level of stuff he has. Yeah, but if he can evolve quicker than expected, he's a front of the rotation type arm. Yes. So, like, who on the trade market could you add that has Bobby Miller-type stuff, right? So no they bad. need an arm. Emmett Sheehan is is another good answer. I was trying to decide between the, either of them. But when I watch Miller versus Sheehan, it's kind of like, all right, like, I think Sheehan's good, but holy shit, Bobby Miller's throwing 100 with a breaking ball, and he looks, when he's on, I'm like, holy shit, is this the best pitcher on the Dodgers? That's the level of talent I see. So if he can hone that in, it's scary because yeah. he's got it. So I went with Bobby Miller. That's true. And I love that pick because Bobby has the ability to be one of the better young pitchers in the game. Like very few people are given the gift by God to sit 99 with a heater, but that's what this cat can do. And it's a testament to his hard work. It's a testament to the Dodgers ability to develop. Uh, and I, I think if that guy can sustain that and, consistently give you five innings of two-run ball, the Dodgers are at a really good spot. You know who's another X-Factor? For the Dodgers? Yeah. Dave Roberts? Well, yes. <laughs> but the guy who comes on every Monday. I mean, Walker Bueller's a huge X-Factor for, sure. for this team. For sure. If they, had, if they had Walker fucking Bueller to this rotation, dude, holy and Lord. And he's back, which we fully expect him to be so, they're scary. What, what if we were just like, yeah, I'm not sure about Walker. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, honestly, after listening to him, might yeah. be a four. Yeah, after like hearing the confidence in, in his ability and like kind of being walked through step by step with rehab, like, I don't know. Like, <laughs> no, dude, I mean, he he has the chance to be the shot in the ass of all shots in the asses. And like, I totally I, I'm so excited to see that guy back on the hill because I, I know you fully believe it. Arm fully believes it like. We fully believe that guy is a top five pitcher in baseball. When he's on, there's not many people who can touch, right? No. So moving on to the Giants, who have taken over the second place position in the division, at least as we speak today, 52 and 41 record, excuse me, one and a half games back. They got a 72% chance of making the playoffs. And when I looked at their team, I said, well, they have the most boring 
group of starting pitchers who are all pretty good. And I mean boring in the right way when you like you know basically what you're getting. Yeah. If there's a pitcher who I know what I'm getting more than Logan Webb, please speak up because I know what I'm getting. Anthony Descafani is going to be back as we're recording this Tuesday, July 18th. Stripling, I think, is fine. Alex Cobb has been good. Alex Wood has been good. So there was no starting pitcher who I look at. I'm like, wow, if Alex Wood shoves like he has a case, like I, I don't know who really to choose. And then the bullpen has been great. So there's yeah. no real bullpen arm. So I had to go offensively. And there's one guy who has been not as good as he could be and is also a trade target. So that's why I put Jock Peterson as my X factor for the San Francisco Giants. And it's twofold, right? Jock Peterson should not have the sixth worst slugging percentage on the Giants, right? Blake Sable has a 431 slug compared to Jock Peterson at 421. J.D. Davis, higher. Michael Conforto, the exact same. Lamont Wade Jr., higher. Yastrzemski, higher. Patrick Bailey, higher. Like, he's above Brandon Crawford and, you know, wisely, Brett Wisely. I mean, what are we doing here? Wilmer Flores has a higher slugging percentage, and so does Austin Slater. Jock Peterson is much better than that, but it's a two-fold approach because if Jock Peterson is that type of Jock Peterson and he stays on the Giants, that's huge for them. But if the Giants decide, you know what, we can cash in on Peterson, we're going to trade him, then that really hurts the Giants' offense. So I look at the Giants' offense as their one area of concern. He's huge for them right now, but there's also the potential that he's getting traded. So that's why I went with Peterson. Yeah, I don't think they're going to move Jock. uh, I don't think they will either, but I think his name is in the rumor mill. It it totally is. Um, If I were a betting man, they don't move him. I would like to see more pumps from him, fair and square. I know he did miss some time. Uh, he has I eight. Went, yeah, he has I know. eight home runs. I know he's missed time, but he has eight. He has eight. Like, I wish he had 20 because Jock yeah. with 20 is very fun. Yeah. Um, I, I went with Stripling. Mm-hmm. Stripling missed a lot of time. Stripling was really bad in mid-May. He had a couple outings. I think it was like three straight outings of like five earned runs, four earned runs, yeah. five earned. Shot the ERA up. He was hurt, apparently. So, like, he missed a month and a half. He comes back into June, and he has put together some really strong outings since then. If Ross Stripling fortifies the back end of that bullpen or back end of that rotation, I feel a lot better. Because Logan Webb, you mentioned, like, consistency is the name of the game with Logan Webb. They're, he and Framber Valdez are so consistent because they do the same thing. They get contact on the ground. Um Alex Cobb was an all-star man. Like Cobb yeah. is having a really good year. You mentioned Di Sclafani back soon. If Ross Stripling can throw anything like what he did for Toronto last year, I think that they are in an incredible spot. No, I agree with you. I think if I were to pick a pitcher, he would be the answer. But it's just they got so many like pretty good arms that if Stripling is bad, they just put him in the bullpen and they go bullpen games and like they'll be fine. That so was my opinion on it. The, the Giants and the Brewers, for me, is like everybody's doing exactly what they're supposed to do. Except Willie Damas, which exactly. is why it was Damas. a good X factor. And, and Stripling, because Stripling was hurt. There you go. Our last team on the contenders, Arizona Diamondbacks. Two games back of the Dodgers, 52 and 42. Just got swept out of the building by the Blue Jays. It was a tough series. And I don't know whether to say, all right, here's the Diamondbacks regressing or the Blue Jays that good. 
it was tough to tell. But the Blue Jays really commanded that series. Diamondbacks had a lead and come back in the in the uh, in the final game, but it wasn't enough. They they lost seven to five. This is another tough team. So when I look at the Diamondbacks, eighth in OPS offensively, twenty first in starter ERA, eighteenth in bullpen ERA. Who was your X factor for the Snakes in Arizona? It has to be a starting pitcher. It has to be. Um, Ryan Nelson is the active example, but I go Merrill Kelly. Hmm. Okay. Um, I also think Arizona needs to land a big fish in the trade market. Like I, I think Bieber, Eduardo Rodriguez, the White Sox do opt to move Dylan Cease. Like they need to get starting pitching, and they have the farm even, to do it. Even Lance Lynn. He's the guy who I want. They need bodies in that rotation. Like anybody is going to be better than what they're running out right now. And fucking Zach Davies and like Ryan Nelson. Nelson, I do like Ryan Nelson. I think Ryan Nelson. I do not. It's just not this year. Like it's not working this year. He's young. It wasn't working for Fott this year. It's not going to this year. Maybe next year. Tommy Henry has been solid. I don't want him starting postseason games, to be honest. I want multiple starting pitchers. But the biggest ad internally that they can make is Merrill Kelly. Merrill Kelly had a blood clot in his calf. It was, you know, a calf issue. He threw a sim game this weekend. Kelly could be back, I think, end of this month, maybe first couple of days of August. So if Merrill Kelly comes off the shelf and regains that 3-2 form that he had in 16 starts before going on the shelf, you have that one-two punch of Gallon and Kelly for as exciting an offense as you've got, then all of a sudden, instead of adding three pitchers, you need to add two. Or instead of adding two, you can add one and just sweat game four of a of a divisional series. So that's my thought there. Um, so I settled on Kelly. I don't feel good about it. Honestly, like I could go with a GM again. I, I could go with, hey, like you got to make a move. Like let's, let's, you know, hunker down and go grab Dylan Cease. Um, but I'm not going to do that. I, I'm going to go with the uh, the softer option internally. Yeah, it's funny. I had two options written down, and I had a feeling that you were going to go with Merrill Kelly, so I wrote down mine. And I think you said his name. I think Tommy Henry is a huge X factor for this team, and you broke it down in the Merrill Kelly. Like if they have Gallon, then they have Kelly, and then they have a trade deadline candidate. Let's say it's Cease. Let's say it's someone like Lance Lynn. Let's say it's Michael Kopech. Let's say it's Eduardo Rodriguez. Let's say it's Giolito, Shane Bieber. It could be any of them. So then that's your three. Who is going to start the fourth game of the postseason? Because you kind of need that guy. It's hard to just go three. Can it be Tommy Henry? And that's why I said he's the biggest X factor. Because I've had a tough time figuring out if he's good or not. Because Tommy Henry throws 90 miles an hour. This is not a guy who lights up with stuff. He's not a guy who strikes anybody out. He's got a 16.9% strikeout rate, which puts him in the 13th percentile. But one thing that Tommy Henry does really, really well is he keeps the ball off the barrel of the bat. And he has pretty good command. Not great command, but pretty good command. And it's resulted in a 32% hard hit rate this season which puts him in the 89th percentile in Major League Baseball. Now, a lot of the contact is in the air, but I can afford can of corns to the outfield. 
infield flyouts, something I routinely see during Tommy Henry starts. And he shows flashes of a guy where I'm like, whoa, that was a great outing. He's thrown seven innings, shutout outings. Now it's been against the Rockies, who are dog shit against lefties and even a bigger pile of dog shit on the road. But like he's flashed this ability to look like a good four starter. Like if we just took the name off the jersey and I said, hey, Jack, your four starter has a 389 ERA. No, I'm jumping for happy. joy. You're jumping, jumping for, for joy. Four one three expected ERA. Like there isn't something in the numbers where I'm like, oh yeah, I mean, this is just so lucky. Like, I think he can be good. And if he continues to be good, you have a fourth starter, which I think is the biggest X factor for the Arizona Diamondbacks. I also wanted to say, like, if Geraldo Perdomo keeps doing what he's doing, like that is huge. Thing is, I think I have more faith in Tommy Henry maintaining a 389 ERA than I do Geraldo Perdomo putting up a second half that that resembles his first half. So I said, I think he's the X factor here. And why I think he might be the X factor is I truly don't know what he's going to give you. Is he going to be this guy for the rest of the season? I kind of think he will, but there's a part of me that doesn't think he will. And I guess we'll just see. And I've got no idea. Like, I can't answer that question. Um, Tough. I I did a little frustration dive into Ryan Nelson just now, and I would have bet my life on him being better than 6Ks per nine. Sucks. He was I'm a strikeout you. artist, dude. He was like 12 and a half Ks per nine in the minor leagues in, in 21 and 20. So was Gavin Williams. He ain't striking out shit. He's still pitching well, Which but he's not crazy. striking out anybody. 2021, Ryan Nelson, 22 starts punching out 12.6 guys per nine last year in Reno in 136 innings. He punched out eight and a half. I did not think that was going to turn into 6.2, but that's what we're looking at now with Ryan Nelson. So Henry is the answer is the four. And I agree like good four or bad four really remains to be seen. I wish Fott was throwing well, man, like that could have answered so many questions that could have put my mind at ease about Arizona, but I mean, it was just bombs away against Fott, which which is brutal. And I'm hoping that he figures it out because I think that guy is damn talented. Those were the National League X Factors for contenders. On Thursday, we will be back with the American League. And the Wednesday episode will definitely be a mailbag. So go check us out on social media where we will post the mailbag graphic. Ask all your questions in there, whether that be on Twitter, which is linked in the episode description, as well as our Instagram, which, again, you can find in the episode description. Thank you guys all for listening. Let us know on YouTube. Did we miss anybody? Did we make any good points? Regardless, let us know in the YouTube comments and hit that subscribe button. Hit the like button. And again, leave those comments for us. Get yourself some Just Baseball merch. That's also in the episode description. we got a tons of new stuff. At least just go check it out. You don't buy anything. Just go check it out. Tell us what you like. Tell us what you don't like. We're a new company, right? Sometimes we put out some ugly shit that you guys might not want. Or you're like, hey, this is sold out because I know we're sold out of some stuff. We need more of those. Let us know, right? Again, we're brought to you by the King of Sportsbooks, BetMGM, promo code Just Baseball for all of those bonus bets. And then on Spotify and Apple Podcasts, best way to support without spending a dime. So rate and review five stars, whether that be, again, on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. That's Jack. I'm Peter. And with that, thank you, everybody.